What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. First things first, my only thing that I push at the beginning of the show is to let you know if you are tuning in for the first time, you can fast forward till you hear the beat, and that is where you're going to hear my uh, interview with Wicca Face Springs Eternal. Uh, but if you are a weekly listener, you already know the drill. You haven't done it yet, or else you would have already skipped past this, or maybe you are skipping past this. But if you have not gone to patreon.com slash kinda neat and pledged a dollar per episode, then you should. You should just be a good person and go, you know what? My mans, my mans and them, Lee and Ben on the board making the shit sound buttery. Every week they're pumping out the jams for us on YouTube and they're pumping out the contemplative conversations on the podcast app for me and uh, it makes my life better. So what I'm going to do is buy them one cafe latte a month by pledging $1 per episode at patreon.com slash kind of neat. This is the week to take action. This is the week to make a change. This is the week to make a difference and support the podcast. Thank you guys so much for all the support as of late. The last few episodes have been going real hard. Um, Goddamn, the Wi-Fi's funeral episode, I tweeted the video out, and it got 1,000 retweets and uh, almost 2,000 likes on Twitter. That is the biggest tweet that kind of neat, or actually yeah, actually, even my intuition, that's, big, that's the biggest tweet tweet i've ever made so shout out to wi-fi's funerals uh, wi-fi's funerals following because you guys are out there and you are an army and uh shout out to wi-fi's funeral that was a uh, fucking huge tweet really dope so this week on the show we have something pretty new for you guys um he's out of a crew called goth boy click um his name is wicca phase springs eternal and he used to be in a band called tiger's jaw and now he has um started this new solo project wicca phase that is <clears throat> kind of um the way ben worded it is pretty fucking accurate ben goes man it's like the bands i used to listen to in middle school over 2016 beats which is very accurate representation it's kind of like this emo gothic punk tinged vocal over what could be labeled as like dark dense um you know 2016 trap beats and it makes for a very interesting blend and there's a few people making this kind of music um in his click alone there's little tracy horsehead um uh, little peep and him wicca phase um shout out netarb <sighs> but he was one of the first ones that i got put onto actually um just because I started hearing his um, songs on various mixes that uh, friends on the internet would be making, and I was drawn to it as like, this is very weird, but I like it. He did a song with Bones that I had heard um, that I really enjoyed, and then he ended up on Spooky Black's second album, which I really enjoyed as well. And it was a really cool conversation because he's, he's lived a lot of music life and um, has – this is kind of his pivot. Like He's already had his success in the rock world and – toured off of that and made a living and then he pivoted over to this and is kind of like making it his new thing and, and i and it works for me i really like it what i want to tell you guys before we get into the conversation like i said you can fast forward to the beat if you don't want to hear me bullshit about myself uh, that's when the conversation starts uh last weekend or the weekend before i can't remember which i was sitting around the house with my girl and we were like let's do something and I've been wanting to like go to a Korean spa for a while 
because as you guys know, I like I met Ben when I was working at Knox City, and that was like I was the only white dude. It was all Korean dudes, and me. Well, Zoe was like Filipino, but whatever. He's, he was still of Asian descent. Point being is I was the only white dude, and they would talk about Korean spas, and it sounded dope. And I've heard from other friends that Korean spas are dope. And I was like, you know what? It's Sunday. We're just kicking it. Like, it's it's nice out. Why don't we go blow some time at a Korean spa? So we started doing our research and looking around, and we saw this one. It's called We Spa in L.A., and it sounded like it, it's like a giant it's like the the Costco of Korean spas, but it sounded like it was probably going to be too busy because it was a Sunday and there's probably going to be little kids running around and shit because there's a big common area. And so we found one that was similar to Wee Spa but a little smaller, and I forget exactly what it is called, but I, would, I don't want to shout it out anyway just because of where this story ends up going. So we get to this Korean spa, and we're thinking like, okay, we'll just have like – Nice little time, um, chilling in saunas and stuff. And then um, what ha- what happens with Korean spas is you go in and there are you you pick out the services that you want. And then if you're with a girl, then you guys split up because she goes into the women's section and you go into the men's section. And in those uh, respective uh, spa sections, there are various saunas, hot tubs, outdoor areas, et cetera, et cetera. And then. They also give you a uniform of like a T-shirt and baggy shorts, um, like cargo shorts. You you kind of look like you would be hacky sacking at a jam band festival in Vermont when you put on the Korean spa uniforms. <clears throat> but what you can do is after you're done down there, if you want to meet up with your significant other or members of the opposite sex that you happen to be with, you put on your uniform and you can just meet them upstairs because upstairs is like a co-ed area where there are various saunas of different temperatures and they're all very mild because this is a place where there's like tons of like old people and families and kids sitting around. So none of the spas are like super hot spas. Um, but they all like, there's a clay room, there's a gold room, there's a jade room. There's, um, the, the, the big open commons area has a heated floor with pads on it. So you can, there's like sleeping rooms. So you just sit up there and chill and, and you can nap or you can, uh, get food at the, at a little restaurant there and stuff like that. And you just chill. So our plan was let's go in pick a service because then you get in for you get the the entrance fee waived because you can spend the whole day there for 25 bucks you can spend like 12 hours there for 25 bucks if you want but so what we decided to do was each get a massage so we each got like a shiatsu massage i don't generally like getting massaged um I've only gotten two professional massages before in my life, and I haven't bought either one. It's not something that I generally seek out. Um, but today I decided to, you know, treat myself. And so I got her a massage and me a massage, the same one. And then um, and then we got to kicking it, you know. So I was like, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll spend a half hour back here, and then I'll meet you out front, and we'll go up to the Jim Jabong and chill. So... <clears throat> I went back and what it is, is very, it's a very naked thing. There's, you're super naked. You go back there and you change and you just have a towel pretty much. And so I I have a towel and I go out and there's an open shower area because if you want to go into any of the hot tubs or the saunas, you have to shower first. And if you go into a sauna, you have to shower before you go in a tub after that too. Um, so there's a lot of showering. Um, so I put, I go back there to the locker room, take off my clothes, wrap myself in a towel, walk out to the front 
or I mean to like the to the big spot area. When you go in, it's like this big open area, and they have a giant tub up on a platform um, that could probably like it's a it's a jacuzzi that could probably fit. Oh fuck, I don't know, like forty people in it. Probably it's giant. And then next to that, they have a, a hot. Uh, like a hotter tub so the jacuzzi is like a standard warm temperature and then next to the hot next to that is a is a tub that's like only could probably only fit four people and it's like really fucking hot water i don't know how hot but very hot like you want to hold your balls as you're getting in because you feel like you're going to burn them off and then um on the other side of that jacuzzi there is a um cold pool so i was like going to the hot pool hot tub uh, the, the super hot tub and then into the cold pool and, and doing that back and forth for a little bit. And at this point it's like noon, you know, when we get there and it's pretty empty. Um, but it's like standard, it's like the people that you would expect to be at a Korean spot. It's like a lot of older Korean guys and, um, uh, a few like exploratory, I don't even know if that's a word. I say it all the time though, but exploratory, um, white dudes like trying to soak in other cultures because of the lack of their culture of their own personal culture appropriators if you will um so i was there as one of those guys and there's just generally a few other old korean dudes and um so i hop in some saunas there's one with like a aloe vera sauna or something like that and there's a steam room that you can't even see in and it's whatever i just i go shower and i hop into tubs and then I fucking hop in the saunas and shower again and my half hour's up very quickly and nothing strange has happened to this point. And I see the time and I go, okay, I'm going to go meet my girl out there. And so I go put on my uniform and we go up to the Jim Jabong and chill. And at this point, uh, it's like, it's like getting close to one ish or something. So we grab some lunch and, uh, and just hang out, you know? And then at two o'clock is our, uh, massages and I'm not really knowing what to expect at this point um, as far as the massage goes but I'm thinking that it was I, like I thought that maybe there would be like an upstairs or something or like a like a private room or something but I had seen um, when I was taking a shower in the downstairs part that there's like uh, just a sheet that sep- that says like do not enter until your appointment time or without appointment or something and I'm going oh I hope that's not the massage room because it looked kind of like I don't know it looked a little not it just looked gross, I guess. I don't know the word that I'm thinking of, but it didn't look, it didn't look as luxurious as I was hoping, I guess. Um, so yeah, we get, I go back down there uh, around the time that it's about to be massage time. And, uh, and right at two o'clock, they start calling 93. I was number 93. Um, 93, 93. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's me. And he's like, okay, you know, follow me. It's this little tiny Korean dude. Like I'm talking like probably five foot four. Um, and, uh, I say, do you, do I need to shower or anything? He just goes, it like doesn't answer me at this point. I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know if he like, um, speaks that much English or if he just didn't want to answer me or whatever, but he takes me back beyond that curtain that I thought looked a little suspect. And, um, there's two other dudes on fucking, um, massage beds like butt ass naked one of them's face up so like dingus all out and everything the other one's face down and the there's two other korean dudes in there rubbing them down like going to fucking town rubbing these guys uh massaging but like fucking hard and i'm thinking oh my god i'm like about to get i'm about to get manhandled you know and so (laughs) i (laughs) he he's like okay drop trial like lay on the table i lay on the table and he's just like starts massaging me i've never gotten a massage from a man i don't have any problem with that it's like not a uh it's not something where i was like ooh, gross a guy touching me like i'm not i don't give a shit it's whatever um so this guy is 
you know, he's beating me up, dude. Like he, it's a shiatsu massage and he is fucking, it is so intense that most of the time my face is like fully grimaced. Like, like I'm groaning sometimes and he's going, is that okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's like fucking grinding his thumbs into me. Uh, pause, but like not, you know, I'm just saying like into my knots and stuff. Um, it was it was insane and it was painful. It was and and, uh, and I don't know. I still don't know if I enjoy massages. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, my girls was like equally as rough. And a woman did that to her. And is I couldn't believe that the dude's hands were strong enough to like hurt my shoulders as much as he hurt them. And then and then eventually, yeah, I had to fucking roll over and they put like a towel and cucumbers and all this shit on your face and he's rubbing you that way and your dick's all hanging out in the air and. It's it's an experience that I kind of don't know if I'd want to experience again, but I'm glad that I experienced it one time, you know, and uh, and then at the end, you know, you roll over again and you just got oil all over yourself at this point. And he like grabs a fucking bucket of hot water and just dumps it on top of you to like start rinsing off. And then that's it. And it's an hour and. It, I can't tell if it felt like a short amount of time or if it felt like a goddamn eternity, but it was different. It was different. It, it was memorable in that, like, I don't think I enjoyed it just because, like, it made me feel more sore by the time I stood up. Um, but at that point, it's now it's 3 o'clock because it started at 2 and it was an hour, so it's 3 o'clock. And when I go back out um, to the main men's spa area, it is noticeably different at this point. Um, there are a lot more dudes uh, back there because now it's the middle of the day. And so I go to shower off. And at this point, I'm starting to notice that there are, um, I don't know. Yeah, there are some people maybe looking at me more than they should be, I guess. (laughs) And I'm going, oh, okay, yeah. This is a place where like people are congregating to try and get laid, and I didn't know that it was going to be like that. But that's what I'm that's what I'm like starting to kind of realize. I had heard tales of this, but I was like, oh, these are just dudes that are like they're like homophobes or something, and that's why they're saying this. But then at, at this point, at three o'clock, I'm noticing there are a lot of like younger dudes there and like uh, super fit guys, and there are guys like um, trying to scoot closer to people than they should in the sauna or like. Uh, uh, walking around a little too open, like a little too comfortable with their dicks out. And it all culminates with the fact that I'm outside at one point because uh, there's an outside area with like really tall walls where you can kind of go outside and just chill in the open air. And um, at this point, it's a very small porch and there were so many dudes out there. I didn't realize it, but I didn't want to like walk out and just turn right back around. So I go sit down for a little bit and I have my towel on or whatever. And most everybody has their towels on until this fucking guy comes out um, he comes out and sits and like pulls his towel off and is just sitting, just spread legs in a chair, um, dick hanging out. And he has a fucking cock ring on. He has a silver cock ring like over his dick. And he starts like, he puts his hand on his dick and starts like waving it around like, like a helicopter or something, trying to see if anybody was going to like, uh, bite onto the bait or something like he was fishing for a fucking handy or something. And <laughs> I was fucking mortified to be honest. Uh, cause I just didn't understand what I had walked into. And, 
Oh man. So, you know, at that point my girl and I had decided, okay, after our massage, like take 20 minutes or whatever to kind of like unwind and then we'll meet outside again and get ready to dip. And so, um, yeah. So as soon as I saw the guy trying to fish by wrangling his reel around, um, with the cock ring on, I was like, all right, I can't, I am, I am done back here. This vibe has changed. And, uh, and so I put on the uniform, went out and met her and was like, all right, like the massage was crazy and I'm in a lot of pain. And I think that I've had my fill of the Korean spa because the vibe in the the main spa section has definitively changed. And I think it is like going to break out into a full on orgy soon. And I don't know if I want to partake in that. Oh, the other thing that I forgot to mention is like outside of the main spa area. Um, uh, when you leave the locker rooms, if you were to go left instead of right, there are some other saunas that are like out of the, out of the beaten path that I didn't realize. And one of them is like very dimly lit clay sauna. And I walked in there thinking it was empty, but there was just like two dudes in there sitting very close to each other. And then there was another one or like, and when I opened, um, the door, like there was another one that was like really brightly lit. Um, and when I opened that door, like it was like a record scratch or something. And all of the dudes that were in there, like looked at me and I was like, Oh, we, uh, strange vibes here. And so, yeah, that was my Korean spa experience. So I, I went and showered one last time and threw on the uniform and met my girl up in the gym, Jobong, and we chilled for a little bit. And I was like, recant recalling my, um, experiences to her. And she's like cracking up about that. And so I was like, all right, so that's that we went and got dressed and went home but it was uh it was not what i expected it was not what i expected um i don't know if they're all like that and i i've heard that some are like pretty are like more really family friendly so i would hope that the family friendly ones is not uh quite like that um but it was it was different it was different uh I only wanted to go to a Korean spot because I went to the wind in Las Vegas for a photo shoot. We stayed at the wind for a week and, um, they had the people putting us up, had paid for like spa access for us. And I kicked it in a spa there at the wind for like four hours. And it was like the best fucking four hours of my life, man. The, if you ever get to go to the spa at the wind, go fucking treat yourself. That shit is luxurious and amazing. <sighs> Telling that story is very suspect, and uh, I don't know if I want it out there in the world, but I'm going to leave it there because it was funny. Uh, it's funny in hindsight, and, um, you know, shout out to the guy with the cock ring, you know. Do the damn thing. I hope you're out there every weekend getting yours. Um, anyhow, yeah, that's that. Sorry if you're just tuning in as a first-time listener to hear uh, Wicca Face Springs Eternal's, like, first audio interview. That's how that's that's what I do on the intros of these shows. And uh, uh, without any further ado, let's get into that conversation with Wicca Faze. Here is my interview with him on Kind of Neat. Is this your first trip to L.A.? Or no? no, this is like... I was out here like two weeks ago, and then that's um, right. That's when I first talked to you, huh? Yeah, I guess so. And I was out here um a little bit earlier this year, and then uh, when else was I here? I was here like last September. That was the first time I came out. I was out here with the Tiger Shell once, but um, I don't even think that was like L.A. proper. 
what was it like the valley or something? I or think like Santa so. Anna? Yeah, I think so. We did like a um, like a there was like a festival, a hardcore festival, oh, right. Sound and Fury, uh-huh. and it got like shut down. So we played someone's backyard. <laughs> Like, right before we were about to play. It got it shut got, down? Yeah, someone rolled their motorcycle into the venue, and then cops, like, put through tear gas, and Jesus, and that was supposed to be, like, your first L.A. show? Yeah. Oh, what a We bummer. were on stage setting up. It was That's a two-stage crazy. festival. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> you were out here from your hometown of Scranton. Right? Yeah, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, PA. Shout out to The Office. I'm sure you hear that every time you bring up Scranton, Yeah, PA. I love The Office. Though. Yeah, a great show. Um, where is Scranton near? It's northeast Pennsylvania, so it's um two hours from Philadelphia, like two hours north of Philadelphia, two hours west of New York City. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you you know Easton, Pennsylvania? Yeah. That's where my mom is from. Really? That's like my... That's my, I grew up in Alaska. That's pretty right? close. Oh, did he? Yeah, I grew up in Alaska, but all my whole family's from Easton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I have a lot of friends from Easton. Yeah, and then my dad's from the west side of Pennsylvania, right near Latrobe, which okay. is why I have a Rolling Rock tattoo. There you, you go. Feel me? That's right. Yeah. Um, so Scranton, what's Scranton like? Scranton is um, Scranton's weird. Like when I was in high school, Scranton's scene was awesome. Like as far as music went, as far as bands went, there was a lot of um, older, like you know people who were like 10 years older than us when i was in high school playing in bands like indie bands and stuff that um i mean they were playing a lot so that was cool and then i feel like me and all of my friends were in bands that um were you know went on to like do stuff like out of the city you know like i mean i was in tiger's show we signed to run for cover records um there's a band called the menzingers they're like a year older than me they're on epitaph records right oh, now sick. like it's in it's like all my friends um were in popular bands and stuff and their bands are still popular but now n- i don't think that's really happening right. um i still live there because it's pretty cheap right. and i have a job like a um like a day job and stuff like a career How, how's your day job oh it's like a career not a job it's kind of like a career How, is that good yeah i think i like it yeah yeah i do marketing oh um, cool so that's kind of an art form in and of itself. Like you get to be creative with marketing. Yeah, you do. And um, I like like doing analytical stuff too. Like I work in like Google reporting and stuff like right. that, keyword research and stuff. Yeah. And and I like that. It it's like a different. I don't know. It 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 allows you to not be creative sometimes and just right. you know drill down and do work. Totally. And I like that. Nice. But yeah, so I'm still there, but... Um, well, what do you think, um, like, sociologically, what led to so many bands coming from there? Like, why was it an epicenter of that? I don't know. It, I, I, Maybe just because we had so many, um, so many positive, like, role models. Like, I mean, really, there was a lot of bands that, like, cool indie bands that... Um, that stayed local for a long time yeah and and we were around to witness that you know and they were able to take us under their wing and and right and they're kind of like oh hey we didn't make it this far but here's how you guys could make it this far yeah yeah like that i mean our first tour i was in like man i was like 17 when i did my first tiger show tour Uh and we went with just like a local scranton like indie band and um like, shout them out yeah uh the green chair shout out green chair. yeah i was in the green chair too oh sick. that's probably why we went on that tour because okay. i was in that band too they were older than us and like they ran the singer ran a local label called prison jazz records uh-huh. and like that's all i wanted i just wanted to be signed to that label 
And so we did this this tour. Like no one came to any of the shows. They weren't big cities or anything like that. Right. But like we had that, and someone did that for us, you yeah. know. And we needed that. And and I think a lot of people in Scranton had that experience too, where they were able to you know be taken under the wing of people, and and it worked out, you know. And they yeah. saw their band through. It, it's I don't. It's really weird. What is like Scranton like? Is it old city USA? Like is it a is it um. A defunct industry town at this point. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a coal town. It was a coal town. Yeah. Okay. Anthracite, anthracite city. Okay. Um, and yeah, I guess I mean so I don't know. I couldn't tell you anything about industry there right, or anything right. now. You know, I have no idea. Right. Um. It, it's really weird. It's not like happening or anything like that. But um, I'm like the kind of person where i don't need to move to a big city i feel like i don't really need that um to to make moves or you know to be like creative or anything like that i kind of like having um you know it's just like the pace is just like a little bit slower right you know would, i mean it, would you qualify it as a small town no i mean it, it's one of the bigger cities, cities. In, in pennsylvania yeah definitely in top 10 but i don't know yeah. top five but um yeah, pretty big. And are you gener? Is it generations there of your yeah. family? How, how, yeah. how far back? Oh, oh man, very far back. Really? I mean, like yeah. farther than great grandparents? Um, I I think my great grandparents came over from Poland. I was going to ask if you're is it like a Polish town? Yeah, yeah. Um. So there's some weird stuff. So, like not weird, but there's uh, a branch of like it's not a branch. There's uh, uh, I guess it's a, its own religion. Yeah. Um called like polish national catholic and uh-huh. they split from the roman catholic church based on like political differences yeah. not like ideology really right um just because europeans were i guess the europeans weren't really um being treated that fair or something in the totally. church right but uh so yeah so there's a polish national catholic church and they don't follow the pope they follow their prime bishop uh-huh. and like the vatican is scranton pennsylvania <laughs> no way yeah oh so, so you guys are like the new you guys are like the salt lake city of of polish catholic yeah Catholicism. it's weird so like when my like great grand great grandparents came over they were um you know they were probably like the first people in that church and then like my grandmother very involved and stuff like that. Um, yeah. My mom, it's there's some differences. Like priests can get married, and in some my mom's ca- Roman Catholic, and she like fully thinks that priests should be able. to... She's like a liberal Catholic kind of. Yeah. So my mom's married to a priest. My mom got remarried to really? a priest, and he was married. And um, oh, so he's been divorced and remarried. Yeah. Oh wow. So like, yeah, Polish Catholic national Pol- Polish, Polish national, national Catholic, Catholic church is fucking lit. Yeah, pretty liberal. Um, but. Uh, and I'm not like religious or anything like that, right. but he's like a senior priest and his father was the prime bishop. Like the, oh, so wow. that's like the Pope, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. It's really weird. It's like a weird thing that I feel like not a lot of people know about. Does that mean, does that mean like his family's like fucking royalty kind yeah, of? Yeah, within the church. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So does that hold a lot of status in Scranton then? Uh, I guess if you're still in, if you're still into religion and yeah. stuff, yeah, I, uh, from what my grandmother tells me, yeah. there's not a lot of people showing up at church. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems to be a general trend overall yeah. in our country. Um, so both sides of the family were from Scranton. So you had grandparents alive on both sides and everything. Yeah. My, my other, like my dad's side of the family was like um, Scottish, but they, they came right to, right to Scranton. Okay. And, and 
being that um, you have that time, kind of like community around us. I mean, you had a big ass family and just like a support system on both sides. Yeah, huge family. How's that? It's um pretty good. I mean, a lot of my family moved away. Like my mom moved to Boston, my sister moved to Rhode Island, and then like all of my mom's brothers and sisters are like scattered now. You know, mm-hmm. Florida, mm-hmm. Maryland, stuff like that. But they were there when I was younger, and mm-hmm. on my dad's side, um, they're all still local. So yeah, I mean, growing up. I had a, a huge family. When I was playing in bands and stuff, they were super supportive. Like, my cousin is a graphic designer. She did my ba- first band's artwork, you mm-hmm, know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so just one sister then? Yeah, just one sister. Okay, and are you older or younger? I'm older. She is, uh, like, 23. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so what – were you artistic as a kid? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I read a lot. Yeah. Um, not, like – yeah, I, I'm no, not particularly. I read a lot when I was like starting around like seventh grade. I started taking piano lessons. Yeah, um, on your own accord or because you had to. Um, I didn't have to. I think my parents just wanted me to do something. Mm-hmm. So like, I went. My sister went. You know, whatever. I kind of stuck with it, and then, uh, and then I started playing guitar, and then, you know, from there. Uh, I was just hooked on on just making stuff. Right. You know, I wanted to write songs. I wanted to sing for a band like forever. That's all I wanted to do. But it's hard to tell people that you want to sing in a band without. Were you a quiet kid? Uh, I don't know. I was probably a weird kid. I don't think I was like super popular or anything like that. Really? Yeah. Did you get I was probably in, lame? Did you get into like skating or anything? Or like, I mean, I, I don't. Mm. I, this and this is not meant to sound offensive, but I don't take you for like a like you don't look like a baseball player or a football player or anything like that. So I don't imagine you were like. When I was really young, I did play baseball. I mean, throughout Little League, I played baseball. I was like all star. I was right. in the all star. Oh shit! But, like I wasn't really that great. Right. And I didn't. I I tried a lot of sports, but I was pretty awful at them. I was right. bad at skateboarding. Yeah. I was bad at like anything like that. So you just dove into music. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what were the records that were changing your life when you're in seventh grade? Because that's like one of the. That's that year where you yeah. like figure out I'm I'm this kind of music listener. Yeah, seventh grade. Um, that's when I would probably like first have started calling myself a punk. Yeah. So it. Definitely like Blink One Eighty Two, but then also so like, like the later uh, California punk revolution. Yeah, thing, but then know? I had like I mean because I had like my friends' older brothers around yeah. and stuff, I was into what they were into. So like I got into like Leftover Crack and Choking Victim and Rancid, like right around then, you know, because they yeah. were in high school listening to that stuff and. Like, I would hear them playing it, and then I would go home and immediately download it on LimeWire or something like right. that. You know, like, I just any punk music, the casualties, anything Operation like that. Operation Ivy. Operation Ivy, yeah, dude, you name it. Um, were you, like, a NoFX guy? Yeah, like, yeah, NoFX. NoFX. Yeah. I liked Face to Face a lot, MXPX. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had my like punk phase as a kid. I don't really, I actually don't really bring it up that much on this show, but I loved punk rock music and it was kind of that same, um, it was that wave where it was hitting MTV. But then if you like got on the internet, you could find the shit that like was like more uh, underground than like the shit on MTV. You feel me? Like Blink-182 and, and Green Day were like the entry level shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so how long was it from the piano until you picked up a guitar? Uh, I think about, man, it wasn't long. It was probably only about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I got one for Christmas, and then 
I, I don't. It had to have been like between seventh and eighth grade or something like that. Because by ninth grade, like I was already in bands. Like when I went to high school, I was already in bands and stuff like that. That's hella cool. So, how did you meet other kids that were like playing music and stuff? Like, how do you meet a drummer and a bassist? Uh, it's like um, you find the other kids who listen to Blink One Eighty Two in your middle school class, and there's not that many of them. Right. And uh, so there's that. And again, like. All of their older brothers were in bands, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I would just watch them, dude. I would go over to my friend's house to hang out with them, and then I would go watch their brother's bands practice. And what's that culture like? Just in the garage you're watching? Yeah, them? in the garage or a basement. Was you was Scranton a town where there were, like, backyard shows mm-hmm. where people had, like, an empty garage, and then they would mm-hmm. ha- play out of there? Yeah. And just, uh, like, what, kegs and shit or no? No, like, maybe 40s, like, in okay. the car or something like that right. before... Yeah, I probably didn't start that until like maybe sophomore, sophomore, junior. Like right when Tiger's Jaw like really first started playing a lot of house shows and stuff, I was introduced to like forties, no tags or anything like right. that. Yeah, I because I, that's the thing is that growing up in Alaska, we didn't have a fucking music scene at all. I just had like MTV and the internet and whatever. Uh, but then when I moved to California, I mean, I mean, and I, and I saw this shit late. Like I didn't see, I didn't see my first show like this until I was probably like 25. But I remember um, hearing about this like underground backyard punk rock show where it was just local bands that were on this little like backyard circuit. And about, there were about 50 kids that showed up and they knew all of the words to every song of this band that I had never fucking heard of. And they were playing out of an empty garage. And I was like, whoa this is like the most grassroots thing i've ever seen mm-hmm. was it kind of was it like that yeah. kind of yeah. it was like that yeah. it was like that if it wasn't like that it was like vfw's or even like battle of the bands like mm. we're you know we'd go and just take them over it would be like this is a show now you know mm-hmm. this is a punk show now or something like that <laughs> like so stupid you know right still competing for like a hundred bucks or right something like that. but it was either that or vfw's or um I mean, that's pretty much it. There was a skate park called Sessions with yeah. a Z at the end. That They had a lot of punk bands, like a lot of local punk bands and a lot of touring punk bands coming through. Right. Because Scranton is like, if you're looking on a map, it's kind of, if you're a band looking, trying to map your tour. It's out of the way. It's Well, it's right between Philadelphia and New York uh, City. Yeah. So if some people don't want to do that drive for whatever reason, it's like an hour and a half. Right. They stop in Scranton. Yeah. So we had a lot of touring bands coming through. and, and Was there like an all-ages venue that was really popular? That was Sessions. That, okay. that was the, the skate, skate park. park. And then there was a place called Cafe Metropolis. Um and those two places were like it, you know. There was always shows there. And Sick, yeah. Um, what was it? Was the the first band wasn't Tiger's Jaw, was it? No. Okay, the, what was the, the first, first band? band? Was called Cosmos. It was a ska band. You were in a ska band, yeah. Dude, oh. ska, see, ska was like what was so big. Like that was the hottest shit. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, so like I said, uh, my mom's from Easton, and so when I would go visit there, I remember one time I went when I was sixteen, and her best friend from high school, right, had a son that was exactly my age, and we didn't have like record stores and shit. So he was like, he, he's like, Oh, what kind of music does this dude? I'm like, Oh, you know, like, like fucking no effects. And he's like, what? You like punk rock? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I gotta take you to the store. I'm gonna show you everything. He like showed me all these like old seven inches and he, but he, he got me a bunch of like, he's, um, skanking pickles. I yeah, think. Skanking pickle. And he got me, um, uh, Hepcat yeah. CDs. There he's you like, go. you gotta, you gotta check out all these ska bands. Cause like in the mid nineties, that was like the hottest shit. Mm-hmm. Hepcat's yeah. a weird one. Hepcat's like, 
Yeah, that's a that I feel like that's like you have to really know about how to know about Hebcat. I'm out here, bro. I mean, yeah, dude, that's it. Hebcat. We were like, um, like the pie tasters would come around a lot. Yeah, because we had all these local ska bands. I feel like if you were a touring ska band, then you'd want to come to Scranton because there's a family. There's a huge scene. Yeah, yeah. Pie tasters, the toasters, yeah, the toasters, uh, slackers, like. There's so many, and and I was playing with those bands. Like we were opening for them, we were terrible, dude. Really? We were terrible. How big was your ska band? Um, like did you? you every had, band was could, popular then. But, no, no, but I, no, I don't mean big. Like oh, I mean, like how many of, people were? Like did you have a full horn section? No, no, no. Okay. It was a, it was a, a ska punk band. So okay. it was, I think uh, five people. We had a, a singer. I sang for a little bit, yeah. and then we got another singer. Um, He's now in the Menzingers, that band from Epitaph. I, I might mention them a lot because they were really influential on me. They were all the older brothers that yeah. you know that stuck with it and stuff and, and helped me. I remember asking like the singer of that band who was um his brother, his younger brother was my drummer, and I was like, How do you play ska on a guitar? Like yeah. I don't get it. And he taught me how. Like, Cause it's like an off it's like an offbeat that yeah. you're strumming on, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you're not you strumming the on the ones and in threes. No, it's the twos and the fours. Yeah. And it makes no sense. I remember having a guitar yeah. as like a sophomore in high school trying to figure out how to play ska and reggae and going like, yeah. Why can't I do this? It's the twos and the fours. Yeah, it's hard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so tight. Oh, yeah. oh man, I have a funny story like uh, remember when real big fish got really big yeah. no no pun intended um i was like that that band was like so cool to me for like that one song they had and so a couple years ago um one of my friends was like friends with the um i don't know trombonist or somebody in the band now because they're, they're like one of those touring bands where there's like only two of the original members mm. left or something and I, we ended up going to their show and it was, and I ended up on their tour bus afterwards, and I'm going like, "Wow, man, the 13 year old me would be like so hyped right now, but like the the current me is like so sad for these dudes because like the tour bus was so just depressing and uh-huh. like, I don't know, it was it was funny. Sorry, uh, real big fish. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, sorry, real big fish. Uh, you guys seemed cool though. Um, anyway, uh, so what was the how, how did that band end? Cosmos. Um, yeah, Cosmos. I forget politics it, it 12 year old 13 year old oh you were politics. that young yeah yeah i mean what seventh and eighth grade how old are you yeah, like yeah 12 or 13 right. Right? right i was out of it by high school i started tiger show and i think i was in ninth grade so really? i was like 14 or 15 no nah, shit. maybe a little bit later maybe i was like 15 right so it's just like hey man tommy you kissed becky and you're not supposed to that's my girl i think it was um it might have been girl related i think it was like my parents were pretty strict and um Everyone in uh, the scrub band that I was in, Cosmos, would like go up to their this one kid's house and drink, and yeah. like I wasn't allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, "You guys suck," you know. I'm out. I quit. This is stupid, you know. Because you because you were like bummed that you couldn't yeah. drink with them, yeah. so you're trying to cover it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I'm like, you guys are the. Well, tell me about your parents asshole. being strict. Was, was this like before your your folks split or like? Oh uh, yeah, my folks split. My folks. I just said that because you said it, but um. <laughs> What would you say, my parents? I would say my parents. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said fuck. <laughs> um, no, my parents split like when I was like when I was like eighteen or nineteen. Um, oh, okay, like, so, like later, yeah. you know. Um, but so yeah, they were pretty strict. My mom was pretty strict. My dad was not strict. My dad had like drug problems and stuff like mm. that. Um, like drinking and then like drugs and stuff like that. And it was all mixed like together, you know. So that was like probably like right around the same time like I was starting to play music like 
seventh and eighth grade. I was probably like 13 or something like that, yeah. right? And he was like going to rehab and stuff. So I, I, my mom was like very, um, you know, like very conscious of trying like, to hold it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to hold it down and trying not to let us drink because, right. like, obviously that was like something toxic Runs in that in the environment family or right. something. Exactly. But what uh, what did your mom do for work? She um she is like an executive at a uh and uh you don't have to co- you don't nah, have to say the company it's at a college okay yeah. yeah so she yeah so she's like in the in academia um a little bit she's in like uh yeah they call it product management oh, but okay. i mean it's uh she's essentially like coming up with new courses and stuff like that, new college courses and stuff like that right and so before dad started getting mixed up and stuff what was he doing uh he was like just working in a warehouse like where she worked like you know like yeah. in the fulfillment center oh, yeah. and then like doing like weird stuff like odd jobs um but then so my mom's mom runs a funeral home yeah. in scranton and uh some yeah so if might, you ever die in scranton yeah gordel funeral home look up i might him. be owning that soon <laughs> i'm gonna try and buy it but hey that's very goth boy yeah right <laughs> like that's the thing like i have roots you know like i grew up around this i saw i saw bodies all the time you know and um, <laughs> you're like a real fucking six feet under family y- yeah and so um when my dad got like clean for the first time like after he went to rehab um, he went and got his mortuary license to yeah. like practice, and then he became like the person running that funeral home. So he was doing that for a few years. Wow. But um, but then like you know he would like go to rehab a lot and stuff like that. So and um, so was it kind of rocky in the household a lot? Then? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like I mean, um, they were just fighting a lot, and it was like weird because like you never knew you know like you don't know if he's hiding stuff or stuff right. like that so yeah that was always like rocky um, right there was like weird phases like phases where he would get like super into religion or something like that right my because mom was all a- about, addicts are extreme yeah you know weightlifting was another thing like all of a sudden right within weeks he was like a huge weightlifter you know right because you Crazy. have to have something to occupy that fucking busy part of your brain or you're just going to get back into the junk yeah so he was like collecting what was he collecting he was collecting soda machines he was yeah. collecting gumball machines wow. but like old gumball machines right you know like very specific yeah um yeah would he try to get you into that kind of stuff so you guys had something to bond over or um, it was just his own thing he no i mean if i if i became interested in something yeah he would like take that interest too so i mean that was cool like when i first started getting into comic books like oh, he yeah. would take me to conventions and like buy me whatever yeah. like pokemon cards and when you got into sky he started teaching you to skank yeah he's taking <laughs> me to shows and stuff yeah i probably taught him but like he was like driving us to shows and no stuff, shit you know? that's cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 um what well, i mean i don't know how much you would want to talk about this but like, what, yeah what kind of drugs was it or like was it mainly alcohol it was like mainly alcohol yeah. and then, like pills um, oh, okay i yeah. don't know like i'm not I'm not really sure now because when it started, I was pretty young, so I don't know if my parents would even tell me if it was pills. Right. You know, but it might have just said like alcohol because, like, because it that's later easy became to pills. Yeah, exactly. So it later became pills. But then it was even like weird stuff, like, and I'm not really even going to get too much into it. Right. But it was everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was just like whatever, um, yeah. like whatever was around. So, uh, yeah. So like, w- once I went to college, like. So I was like, yeah, I think I was going into my second year in college. I was like 19 or something. Um, My sister was like 14 or 15 or something. Like, I think my mom, 
and him were just like, yeah, this isn't working or whatever. And obviously, like, that's tough and, for any marriage, you know? Yeah. Well, and but that at that age for you, since you're kind of, like, aware you're, you know, young adult, like, did it seem like this is a relief that they're, that they're like, sp- splitting? I mean, because here, I mean. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it probably would have been if I knew that, like, things with him were more solid. Yeah. If it was, like, um. If they were just like fighting and like drugs weren't involved or anything like that, yeah. I would have definitely thought it was a relief. I'd be like, all right, they're finally out of each other's hair, you know? Right. But now I was like, well, like now what? You know, like now there's. Who's going to take care of him? Yeah, exactly. So, and that didn't really work out. Like I tried that for a little bit. I hear about that dynamic so much of like um, the the dad who's so reliant on the mother that it's like if she leaves, like what's he going to do? Because mm-hmm. she's the one that's been keeping him afloat. And mm-hmm. I don't come. I come from a family relationship not too far off from that, you know. Um, so what ends up happening? Uh, I would say there was like about. Man, not even a year. I would say even as little as, like, four months where, like, me and my sister and, like, my dad were trying to make things work. Um, Between them? Well, no, not... I'm sorry. We were trying to, um, like, trying to just make that whole, like... Like, it was... See, it was weirder for me because I was away at college. I went went to school in Scranton, but I got, like, a scholarship, so I lived on campus. Yeah. But, um... So I was, like, out of the house, you know? And my dad was, like, living in an apartment. So we were trying to, like, spend equal time. Like, I would, like, try and go over, you know, their house for dinner each, like, once or twice a week. But then, like, you notice that, like, my dad was, like, showing up, like, messed up and stuff or, like, canceling or, like, falling asleep. And you were, like, all right. I was, like, this isn't really working, you know. So, and I can't even, like, imagine myself doing this now because it seems so hard. But I was definitely talking to him. Then I remember talking to him being like this has to stop you know blah 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 and uh but it didn't and then he like moved away i think there was yeah that was it i mean he it didn't i stopped talking to him i think my sister stopped talking to him and, and that's it yeah and that was it pretty much i haven't i haven't talked to him in like a pretty long time since you're like 19 uh yeah 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 man i'm sorry to hear that not school uh, I, you know here's the thing that people. it does and we have a recurring theme on this show that all the listeners who are tuned in now know that it's like all fucking art comes from dad issues bro <laughs> like it's the realest shit everybody that I have on this show we all have the dad issues yeah. like I don't, that uh, makes sense dude. yeah I always I always like wonder I'm getting to that age now where I'm like ooh I want to have kids and shit and I'm like am I going to be able to break that curse or am I going to make an artist as well by being a piece of shit or not a piece of shit I'm not saying that about your dad i'm saying no, that about no, dads in general, general you know what i'm saying so there's a lot of good dads out there though shout out to good dads I, I haven't met them but hey. no, i've met some good dads i know some good dads <laughs> oh fuck man mr briar if you're listening shout out you're mr briar dad. yeah you're a good dad all right um uh, damn so fuck oh i'm sorry to take it there so soon no, yeah I, that could have gone one of many one of a few ways because sometimes i get into those stories and people go yeah and then my dad died and i'm like oh, oh fuck. Yeah. no my dad's not dead um <laughs> yeah um well so how, how did that affect your well-being breaking like is it one of those things now where you don't think about it that often or do you think about like i need to like get this right no nah, i don't think about it that often i i mean i don't i move on like pretty quick from everything right you know nothing really hits me that hard i had i it really doesn't, you know, I have family members like, and, and people have had it way worse than me. So I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that like, it wasn't like I was, um, like uh, sheltered up until like the point that my parents got divorced, right. you know, like that, like, um, 
there was a lot going on in my family. I had family members die, like, right. you know, like younger than they should have and stuff like that. So it, 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 it wasn't like a huge thing for me. It really wasn't. Right. So it, something it, like hardened you up. Right. And maybe it did a little bit, but at the time I felt like, you know, I'd learned to deal with stuff like that. And, you know, right. my mom tried to make me go see a therapist, but it, he was like, this isn't, there doesn't seem to be a problem here. Really? You know? Yeah. So did, you didn't take to the therapy? No, um, no, not because I had any any problem with it. It yeah. just, I think he was just like, yeah, this is. He seems fine. He's and, like, it's cool, dude. Yeah. I like Tiger's jaw. It's dope. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, just yeah, use like, it. Use it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not writing about dads in any songs. All my songs are about girls. Right, but all, all your, of, but all your girl issues all are because of, of your dad, bro. Probably. <laughs> probably. Um, so you start Tiger's jaw when you're 14. Yeah, 14 or 15. 14 or 15. And who is it with? It's just me and Ben, Ben Walsh, who's, um, he's, he's still in it now. He's singing and, and writing songs. Okay. Um, he was drumming at the time. I met him at a show. I did an acoustic show at this, um, art space called Test Pattern. Uh huh. And that was like, you know, when we were in high school, that was another place that, uh, that let us kind of do whatever, put on shows and stuff. I was doing sound at that place for a little bit. Yeah. And, um, it was cool. So I, I did an acoustic show there and I met Ben and I mean, within like, uh, within a few weeks, like we were playing together doing, I just wanted to be like in an indie band, mm-hmm. like that, you know, that's mm-hmm. what, that's where my head was at. And did you guys become like legitimate friends yeah. or just work buddies? No, yeah. absolutely friends. Friends. Yeah. yeah. We were in every band together. Like how many other bands have you been in? Man, we were in so many. I was in, um, Man, so many. I was in uh, uh, the Green Chair. Ben was in all these bands too. We were in a band called the Green Chair. Um, there's a hardcore band from Wilkes-Barre called Bad Seed. We were in that. We get kicked out of all these bands too. Why do you guys get kicked out? I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're not like problems, right? I don't know what the deal is, right? Really. Right. Um, the Green Chair. Maybe we are problems, but I don't think we are. Uh, the Green Chair. Bad Seed, Captain We're Sinking, that's still a band, too. They're on Run for Cover. Yeah. Very good friends of ours. Um, we were in that. We were in, uh, we had a, another band called Jerry Dandridge. Um, man, just so many bands. Right. But all kind of living in the same world yep. or, like, different subgenres? Yeah, pretty much all in the same world. And yeah. Bad Seed was a hardcore band. Captain We're Sinking was a little bit more punk, but yeah. we were also playing shows together. And right. Like that. And so is it something where you guys were just dipping your toes and like kind of spreading your chips mm-hmm. so like if anything worked with any of them you were there or what? Yeah, yeah pretty much like we knew tiger shell was like it you know like we knew like this is our thing you know yeah but at the same time like we were free all summer and right. stuff like that right. so like and we i had a garage like my parents had a really big garage and stuff that we could practice in yeah sometimes we were practicing my grandmother's funeral home too um really yeah later like after we had some neighbors complain, so we moved like exclusively down there for uh-huh. years. We were practicing in the funeral home, just like it with like dead bodies in the next room. Yeah, like upstairs. Vibes, dude. Yeah, some crazy. And vibes. bands would come over to like practice and open up and see a body being embalmed. Dip, and yeah, dip the joints in formaldehyde. And yeah, shit. people no. people would be freaking out. Oh god, that's crazy. Um, 
Well, okay, so I didn't know about Tiger. I've honestly only heard a couple Tiger's Jaw songs, and the only reason I've heard about it is just because they were like, oh, yeah, Wicca Phase used to be in this band. And I went, I, I didn't get big into the emo scene. Like, I had already kind of left the the punk rock phase behind me by the time emo got popularized. So this is the portion of the show for the people that don't listen to that kind of music. I want you to just, like, big yourself up, because I feel like Tiger's Jaw must have a, kind of a, a either a big or a cult following, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I- so tell me about, like, some of your accomplishments or achievements with tiger john because i don't know about him and i don't think people listening will know that's fine man i mean i what i wanted that band to be was i wanted to get signed to that label i wanted to get signed to prison jazz records which is an indie label and we did that like i mean they put out our first album and then how um, did the first album do um well at first i mean it did well among our fans but like again we didn't really have a following like we were still in high school right so and this is like predates modern social media this is like myspace era myspace okay we were putting songs on myspace okay cool exactly um so yeah we were doing that but then um i mean it it we were playing a lot of shows locally you know and um like i guess we were like one of the bigger bands locally and uh then we went on tour with a band called title fight uh-huh. uh and title fight is from like i'm mean, 20 minutes from where we're from uh-huh. and and that was like what what really um brought tiger shot into prominence i think was was that tour uh from there we got signed to run for cover records and i mean they've gone on to put out some some pretty big records and some really good records right. uh that what year was this like this 05? was uh this was like closer to like oh seven yeah 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 um i was like a freshman in college when we signed to that okay label and then uh i mean we did a bunch of tours we we did um i want to say i guess it was four albums like four full-length albums yeah all together and what was you guys dynamic it was you and your fr- you and ben yeah and- so ben eventually moved to guitar and, and vocals he was playing drums for a while uh-huh. but but um then he started writing songs and he was he's good at any instrument so initially you, know? you were writing the songs yep. and then it moved into like you guys were both writing yep. songs okay. yeah exactly and uh what's the what's the dynamic like because like i said i'm not that familiar are you guys um like tag teaming vocals on a lot of songs or is it like if you wrote the song you sang it and if he wrote the song he sang it pretty much that okay. the, the latter one yeah. where yeah we would just write songs independently try and you know make them sound cohesive with one another right uh a lot of times ben would come at me more and, and um have an open verse mm-hmm. you know that needed to be filled mm-hmm. i wouldn't really do that too much i like to have songs finished mm-hmm. but ben was always good at like harmonies and like leads like guitar leads i was never really good at that mm-hmm. so he was really good at filling that out so it was us two um it was our friend uh brianna brianna collins uh Shout out Brianna Collins. Yeah, shout out Brianna Collins. She's still in the band. Um, okay. Her and Ben are still in the band. So did she start playing drums for you guys? Or what? No, she played keyboard. Oh, keyboard. Insane. Yeah. Okay. And then, so um, did you guys just forego drums? We had just like fill-in drummers all the time. Okay. All the time. And then finally... um, what, uh, Sorry to interrupt. When you, get, when you would record the records, would Ben play the yep. drums? And then just whoever you could get to fill in the drums that night live, that's how it would be? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh so he's like a real Dave Grohl motherfucker. Ah, he's so good yeah. at everything he does right, uh, right. to this day. Um, so then we started like playing house shows, and there was this one kid, Dennis, who's like my best friend now, but um, one of my best. I mean, he's definitely one of my best friends without a doubt. But hey, that's no shade at you, Ben. You're yeah, a best friend I know. too. But that's Dennis, what I started you're... thinking. That's what I started thinking in my head. 
And I was like, oh, I hope Ben doesn't Look, think that Dennis... Ben and Dennis, you guys both hold a special no, place know. in Adam's heart. They know. All right. But uh, Dennis started putting on house shows. He was in a, a really cool band called Three Man Cannon. They're still touring and stuff like that. But um, he was playing bass for them, and they had a really good drummer named Pat. And we were like, we want both of them. Like, we didn't have a bassist, I think, for a while. Right. So we were like, we want both of them. And then they, they both joined. Um, nice. So it was the five of us. Yeah. Yeah, and so do you guys get to the point where you're like the headlining fucking touring act, and you're doing national tours? Yeah, we we were doing national tours. Um, what was your big? What were your big markets? Mm, I mean, Philadelphia was big. New Cute. York was big. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Boston, uh, like Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Cleveland. I feel like we were going there a lot. Richmond, yeah. Virginia, like Northeast, you know, stuff right. like that. Um, I only went on like one full u.s tour where we were out on the west coast with them yeah and that was the the show in california got broken up exactly <laughs> um and we went to like the uk and oh and no stuff shit like that yeah how yeah. to do out there good yeah 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 really well that's it was so crazy cool. yeah. yeah yeah and so this is all around the time that you're going yeah, that you're a freshman in college uh yeah and so is that helping you like socially like are you like the man on campus because everybody's like oh my god there's that singer from no Tiger's no one no one knew to this day no one cares really no one cares locally locally really? i can't play a show locally no one's coming but are but if you go to like certain cities it's like oh yeah. my god there's adam yeah sometimes really that's isn't that a, isn't that such a weird thing like where yeah. if you're in the right city you're like a god or like you're like this deity and then if you're at your own grocery store everyone's like man hurry the fuck up in line yeah you know? yeah it's a strange that's why i come out here to right. LA. right people <laughs> know me right there you go um, treat me with respect no i wasn't i had like a steady girlfriend like i wasn't like you know you were trying to use your fame for scumbag reasons no i just want to use my fame to get a steady girlfriend <laughs> right. that's what i wanted you right. know, at the time but how did that work out? Not that great. <laughs> but that's more inspiration for songs. Yeah. And so it worked out perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There um, you go. So, so I mean, I was like touring. Here's the thing. I was like still in school. We would tour during the summers, during winter breaks, like stuff like that. Yeah. And everyone was in college. And then uh, uh, I graduated college, broke up with that girlfriend, and... Uh, and then I was like touring a lot. Like then I was, um, Tiger Shaw was touring. I I did like my first solo like Wicca Phase tour before it was even called Wicca Phase. I think I was going under my real name. Uh-huh. Um, I did like like filling. I was like playing guitar for bands. Like I was just like yeah. I was all over. I was always touring. I think there was like a six month period where I was just like. Maybe not six months, but it was a few months where I was on tour a lot, like, right. just doing whatever, you know? And I think that's when I was like, well, I kind of want to do more, you know? I think there's more I can do. Um, and here's the thing, like, I'm not, I'm not, when Tiger's Jaw started, I was, I had a very clear direction for it. Right. Um, but as we started playing with bands you know we went on that tour with title fight so then we were um kind of popular in that scene like the emo like you know um uh, like the softer side of the hardcore scene you know yeah people could go to hardcore shows or they can come see tiger shot and title fight and is stuff that like, like that. something like spitting or, or, or is that a band 
kind of like spitting. Kind of like spitting. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I'm not really too familiar with okay, them, but I bet you're close. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, that, it's cool. That, from what I heard from Tiger's Jaw, I was like, oh, this reminds me of this other band that Adam from Ham has played me called Kind of Like Spitting. Yeah, but I confused it, that all might your be music. close. Yeah. Um, so you got popular in that scene, but yeah. then you were like, I don't know if this is what I want forever. Yeah, exactly. Right. I felt like um. I don't know if you really want to get into this now, but I felt like, uh, and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with getting older. It was just like the longer that I was doing Tiger's Job, the more, uh, and we weren't really like producing a lot of new songs. I, and this is the way band, that's the pace that bands work. You right. Know? You start all the big boomers at the beginning. Yeah. The, and, and then you, you know, you write 10 songs and then you record an album and that takes like three years, two right. years, three years. Right. And I wanted everything to be quicker, but we weren't practicing a lot. We were, um, some people in Tiger Shot moved to Philadelphia. It was hard to practice. Yeah. And I was visiting my girlfriend on the weekends like an idiot. And Everybody grows up and you, and you grow a little bit of distance. Yeah. That's what happens with every crew of any sort of band or rap shit or anything, I think. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. But it just, be, it, I felt like it got away from me. You know, right. like I, I kind of distanced myself from. You know, as stuff got more serious and we had to start thinking about tours and, and deal, like, you the, know. The cuts of, like, who, who gets what percent of what. Da, yeah, da, 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 da. and this was even before that. Yeah. Like, we didn't know anything, you know. But we had to start thinking about that. Like, yeah, like, forming an LLC and stuff right. like that. And I just, like, checked out. I, I, I was like, this isn't what I want. I don't really care about any of this. I wanted to be on that one label in Scranton mm. and and... We're pretty far past that now, and I don't really have a direction for this anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And Ben did. Like, Ben Ben was able to find a direction for it and, and, and did a really good job. I mean, he had me there. He had to, like, drag me along, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and he had to drag Pat and Dennis along, too. They were the same way, where they were pretty grassroots and stuff and, mm -hmm. and didn't really see a need to expand, you know? Um, ben was a big idea guy. He was. He was able. To, yeah, he was able to. Yeah, he was, and he was able to talk to, um, to you know the people from our label and our touring, like our tour book. What am I trying to say? Booking agent. Booking agent. There we go. Yeah. Booking agent. Right. And and I just wasn't like I, I wasn't. I didn't care about it. So then I would become sarcastic or something. I'd check right. out. You know, I just don't care about that. He's got that. I was just talking about this with somebody earlier, but. As an independent artist, you have to balance out the art side and the business side. Mm -hmm. And some people are really good at the business side, and their art suffers because of it. And you can, and and that those are artists that get deemed corny. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then you got some people that are really good at the art side and are shitty at fucking business and relations. And those are like the mythical, like uh, those are like the the fucking MF Doom types or something, where it's like these mm -hmm. iconic like people that uh, are rare as fuck. You know? But then you got the people that have that perfect balance of like business and art yeah and those are the ones that can really get places and yeah ben sounds like maybe that kind of guy he is yeah he absolutely is there you go and and i i don't know not necessarily that i'm not that kind of guy but right. i needed more time to do it but it also sounds like maybe you didn't want to deal with like you wanted to deal on your own time schedule kind yeah of. that's true too when people tend to i feel like when artists want to go solo it's because like you have this creative vision internally that mm -hmm. you want to just be able to get out on your own mm -hmm. right exactly yeah yeah. So, so, what is it that you're listening to at that time that makes you think like, mm, I should apply these songwriting talents over this like 
different style of music. I just wanted to do like electronic music. So I don't know exactly what I was listening to. Probably like twin shadow yeah or like new order or something like that i just wanted to do electronic music i didn't know what it was in no way at all was it rap influence like was i i wasn't listening to really any rap then well because i hear it now and i'm like oh maybe it, it could be as easily inspired by like fetty wap and blink 182 as it could be from like depeche mode and and old morrissey and shit yeah it was it was the smiths yeah. it was um and it is stuff like that it was the smiths it was like but at the same time, it was like um, Mike Skinner in the streets, like yeah, um, yeah. tricky, just, yeah, tricky, exactly. And I think like, and the more um, like underground people at that time that I probably would have started listening to then were like Das Racist or something. Yeah. I can pinpoint like a very specific um, event where like I went to this Halloween party with my friend. Uh, his sister was throwing it at some barn. And it was like in the middle of nowhere, but they brought out this band from New York City, um, Gordon Voidwell. Mm -hmm. And they were, it, it was like, it, it was almost like watching Prince on stage. I mean, the dude was so charismatic. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, oh, they're, this exists. Like, and this dude is like mythical, you know? Mm -hmm. And I want to do something like that. So there was definitely like something there. I don't, I don't exactly know what it was, and I don't know if I can pinpoint it to anything that I was listening to specifically. Right. It was, it was a lot of being on the internet and just. What year was this? Was uh, probably 2010. That's wow. <clears throat> Excuse me, 2010. Yeah. Uh, 2009, 2010. Yeah, I was about like probably 21, 22. Right. Yeah. Um. Because now. It seems, I don't know, to contextualize what it is that you're doing for people that are hearing the interview before they're hearing your music, my my goal with this is to get people to go check you out. Um, I, I, the way that I explain you and artists like Peep and Horsehead to people who are all, you guys are all GBC, right? Yeah. Okay, so Gothboy Click. I, I try to explain it to people that are my age as like, with what I just said, I was like, yo, it sounds like if Blink-182 and Fetty Wap, like, fucking linked up, you know? Like, it, it's like this strange emo punk rock, like, kind of one-note melody where you're, like, staying on that, that one keynote for, um, um, like, catchy earworms, but over, like, dark trap beats, mm -hmm. right? How long – and the thing is, is that all of you guys that have found each other and clicked up now, like – are this your own little your crew is like its own genre mm. kind of right it's, yeah that's little tracy yeah, yeah shout out little tracy um and so did you guys just all kind of serendipitously find each other after like all making this kind of music or how did that morph into something uh i can i can tell you how it happened for me in yeah. in two quick steps the first one was like i was on tumblr a lot and um i was following jay yeah who's cold heart okay and uh and this was before, like, I knew anything about his music. I, he was just, like, popular on Tumblr. Yeah. And uh, and then I saw that he started, like, reposting his, like, beats that he did or something like that. And his beats were just amazing. It was, like, right around the time, like, you know, I was listening to, like, Salem and, like, you know, any Witch House stuff like that. Right. And there wasn't really that much Witch House that you could find. Witch like, House was a very, that's a very obscure right? subgenre that existed in, like, 2011 and disappeared. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it, I, there's probably, like, 
four witch house people that you know right. like made it right. I mean, but jay was like making beats that were like witch house beats right. and i was like oh this is amazing um right. then he found out that i was in tiger's jaw and that i was doing this wicked face thing yeah um what did the original Wicca Face stuff sound like? It was like keyboard loops, okay. like keyboard drum loops, and like and, real eight bit sounding, or what? Uh, not so much eight bit, but um, mm, I mean, definitely more Depeche Mode than okay, yeah. Chief Keef. I got you. Know? you. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and so yeah, so then I started doing stuff with him, and and that was like my first, you know, in- internet connection with someone. Uh-huh. Uh then the second and he's produced a lot of your and he's produced a lot of my stuff he's produced a lot of uh, all of our stuff you know he's he's uh, he did it did he do a tape with peep no uh he did some songs for peep i think horse head he too horse head yeah, yeah. Okay. um i mean jay i produced for like will b and stuff like that like, okay. you know we knew yeah. he was like he was like really good okay um so that was like the first thing so i was talking to him but then and we might have even started Goth Boy Click like that early, like like really? shortly, where we were just like, let's give ourselves a name, me and you, you know? Right. And then um, the second like part of this equation is is NetArb, and NetArb came out of nowhere. I don't know. I don't. I, remember. I can tell you NetArb's background story because like I got. We'll, we'll compare NetArb stories. NetArb. I, I mean, mine was. I, I had no no background. No like. I had nothing. I was at that point. I was like scrambling. I knew there was other people doing what I was doing, but right. I didn't know who they were or where they were. So I was getting like weird people on features. Anyone I would meet on the internet, I'd be like, "Oh, I just met this person on the internet. They could do a feature on my album." Right. No regard to quality or anything like that. Uh-huh. Uh But then NetArb sent me a message on Twitter. It had to have been that, and just said, "Hey, uh, you know, there's this." rapper named MacNed and yeah. MacNed runs Thrax House and he wants you in it and Cold Hearts in it and I was like, Alright, it was that. It You're was right. that easy. And and then from there, I mean that's when we all met. You know, that's when I met Horsehead, that's when I met Tracy, that's when I met MacNed, Ned are you know. Yeah. So around, crazy. so here's so here's some background. I don't know if Ned would talk about this. People are not, but so back when Ned was still in college, he was going to like some small, I want to say like liberal arts college or something, where he met Milo, who's a, another rapper. Shout out Milo. He was the num he was the fifth ever podcast guest on this show, and we're on 118 right now. So that shows you how long I've known that guy. Um, and Ned was like almost pseudo managing him but really just kind of like the buddy that was like zealous for him and was like milo's the truth Mm -hmm. and so he used to hit me up on facebook back in like 2012 2013 um on or like 2013 i guess on some like yo man hey i'm trying to start a podcast like i like your podcast how can i get like your podcast yo i'm gonna move to la can Mm -hmm. i like can i like intern for you and i was like yo you seem like you know what's up i'm like just keep doing your shit because i don't really have any work for you to do but when you get out here like let's kick it you know and um he was just like that. He had that perfect blend of like hunger and mm-hmm. knowledge. You know what I mean? And like I said, he's a maven. He connects everybody to, he connects so many different scenes mm-hmm. and he's responsible for a lot of the guests I've had on, come on the show, to be honest. Um, he's like the, the right type of young dude to have in your brain trust. And, um, anyway, so when I met Ned, he was like very normcore. 
like normal really? ass kid. And then right around the time that you're talking about with the Thrax house shit, uh-huh. he had um, moved into a house with that dude Milo, and then a bunch of other dudes that were like the Thrax house dudes. They yeah. moved in too, and those two scenes kind of collided, where it's like this art rap scene and this Thrax scene, okay. and Ned shifted over to the Thrax scene more okay. than the art scene, and now he's like the funky dude with fucking hand tats and maybe a face tat. Yeah, he has face tats now, right? Uh, yeah, he does. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so anyway, that's Ned in a nutshell. And eventually I'll probably have an episode with Ned for you guys. You should. He's I, a good I, dude. I, I, um, so he says, we want you in Thrax House. Yeah. And then do you do you come out to California and meet everybody or is it all internet shit? No, it's all internet. Group chat, iPhone group chat. Now, I'm, now we're talking, you know, a few years ago. Like maybe now we're 2011, 2012 at the right. latest, you know. Um but it's group chat and it's it's MacNet, it's Kinayata. I mean, at that time, Thrash House was was building, and they were getting anyone who who wasn't who wasn't associated with with any group at that right. point. You know, at that point, when you get in Thrax House, does your music start to pivot a little bit more? Yeah, a little bit. Then it becomes a little bit more rap. You know, there's more rap beats involved and stuff like that. Yeah, because while I would say you are definitely going in over rap beats, I wouldn't necessarily refer to what you're doing as rapping. Yeah, I, ca- I would call it singing. Yeah, me too. That's okay. what I tell people. Cool. Yeah, because I, I, I sing over rap. Right. I I hear people refer to you as a rapper, and I'm kind of like, he's a singer. That's a singer. Yeah. It, but that's such a confusing um, line in the sand now because there are people like my friend Anderson Pack gets referred to as a fucking as a rapper, but that to me, he's he's a singer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or like, um, you know, whoever. There's so it's such a blended line now. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's but I did start hearing your music on rap mixes. Yeah, so it's got the aesthetic. Um, w- so yeah, I don't know how many records have you put out as Wicca Phase. Mm, let me think real quick. Let me do some quick math. Um, like four. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold up, hold up. So there was one called um, February Thirteenth. That was my first full length, and then there was Hell Version. That was my second one, and there was Passionate Yet. That's three. Abercrombie and Me is four. Secret Boy is five. There's five. Mm-hmm. five. And then there's like a few singles or like EPs, like five song EPs, stuff like that. Okay. So yeah. you've been productive over the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I try and do like two albums a year. And I have a question that I wonder about all of you dudes in Goth Boy Click. The lo-fi aesthetic is it something that you're unwilling to shake? Like you always wanted to sound lo-fi or is it like if I had better gear, I'd make the same songs with better sound quality. I, I like because I, I I feel like uh, me personally, listening to all you guys' music, that I don't think any um, soul or or legitimacy would be lost in in a um, a more hi-fi sound quality. But at the same time, the lo-fi aesthetic is nice too. Yeah, I, I when I started with the phase, like I, I wanted to hold on to that lo-fi aesthetic, but yeah. I mean, as soon as like I mean as recently as like my last album and it really wasn't until my last album mm-hmm. um I was like I need to have I can't I'm not good at mixing like I just mm-hmm. don't know how to do it I right. can't I, I can't mix an album all the way through like it's not gonna sound consistent so um all of us now I mean within the past few months have had uh Jans mixing our stuff Jans is like a producer and um a designer and stuff and he was in Thrax House too but He's been like doing our mixing too, uh-huh. and, and I think it's for all of us. It's gotten way better. Like it, it, it really has. It so no, we're we're definitely letting go of it. Um, yeah. 
sometimes it's good to you know sometimes stylistically it works to have it be lo-fi right like, like that. that's the thing is i i, I like that sound mm-hmm. and i'm used to that sound and it makes sense to me when i hear it mm-hmm. my when i try to show it to people exactly. they go oh i don't get it it doesn't sound good and yeah. i'm like no it sounds good you just have to like l- like appreciate the lo-fi mm-hmm. you know what i mean i want no i understand what you're saying though and i had that problem too and i understand that it's kind of a necessary step for me to to make it a little bit more accessible, you know. Right. Um, as my lyrics, I think my lyrics are getting better and better, so I can still hold on to you know that aspect of it. the The art is still there. It's just um, it does need to be a little bit more presentable, and that's what Yons is doing for for me, and Word. I think he's doing for all of us right now. Right, and I hope that didn't sound like me belittling. Not at all. That was Not just all, my dude. concern for your art because no, I like it. I appreciate yeah. that, yeah. and it's something that I recognized like a you know about a year ago right. too, where I was like, this needs to stop. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. When I first started making music as a kid, uh, my whole goal, we started off sounding shitty and lo-fi and our whole goal, every record was to like, okay, we eventually want this sounding as good as the chronic sounds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we want this to sound, like we need this bass line to bump like a Dr. Dre bass line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was always like that quest for the perfect mix and it became an obsession. Yeah. Um, but if you let that bother you too much, then it can take away from the creativity as well. Yada, yada. Um, do you uh, have you okay so like when i listen to horsehead uh he mixes a lot of like modern slang like uh modern rap slang with with like you guys a similar aesthetic of singing mm-hmm. kind of like um it's almost like bubblegum punk with rap lyrics yeah you know that's what I mean? a good description for horsehead right it really is. yeah yeah totally but i mean and i love that i, I love that aesthetic and are you i don't notice you using as much like rap slang i would say no and i i haven't no i have no no reference point for that like i was never you know at least he like horsehead grew up in california and stuff and saw like soldier boy blow up and stuff like that you know like he saw all of that stuff and 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 i think comes just from as much as blink 182 is a part of his like operating i think rap music is too so i think that's why you'll see that creep in more me i feel like i have no place because I, I still, you know, I was brought into this scene by by Ned Harv, right. you know, or whatever, and it's, I I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't be putting rap slang into songs if I hadn't started, you know, hanging out with all so these no rappers. To do so it. why would I do it now? Right, yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, where did the name? I, this is such a generic question, no, but your cool. name is so fucking crazy. When I tell people that, I just need to ask, where did it come from? Wicca Springs, face, or Wicca Face Springs Eternal? Yeah, it um. I was like around the same time that I was hanging out with Cold Heart, um, or like talking to him, hanging out. By hanging out, I mean like talking on the internet. Yeah, I was also um, like talking to all these. I was really big into like underground um, comic book artists and stuff like that, and people who were putting out their own stuff. And yeah, um, so I met this um, this girl, Caroline Caroline Bren. Um, shout out Caroline Brent. Shout out Caroline Brent, but I think she goes by Clarissa Hennessy now. You can look that up, but it's not <laughs> safe for work. Um, <laughs> NSFW. Yeah, major, major, major NSFW. But Clarissa Hennessy was, um, she was an artist, like an internet artist. Uh, she was, she had a ton of like viral videos that you would never know were her. You know, like I, she wasn't putting her name on them and stuff like that and she was she's a genius she really is and so i sent her some songs that i was working on and i said i need a name for it and i want it to be dark 
and she sent me back an email, and the email just said Wickerface brings eternal, and I was like, "That's it. That's so That's dark. That's the name. It's perfect. Yeah. There, there was no. I didn't even think about it after that. that yeah. Nice. Um, how long was well? I, I I like didn't even realize until I started hearing your songs on mix on mixes that um my homie Cam Krills was making. Shout out Cam Krills up in Vancouver. Thanks, Cam Krills. Yeah, he was putting your songs on mixtapes, and then they were they. I was plucking those off of his playlist and making my own playlist with stuff, and I ended up having some of your songs on there. And then when Spooky Black's second record came out, uh, or was it his first or second? It might have been his first record. Um, fuck. I think I it was Black Silk. Was that his first one? Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was the second. So one. it was the second. Yeah, the one, second yeah. one. You're right. So when the second record came out, I was like, "Why do I recognize his voice?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's Wickerface." How did you end up on Spooky Black, aka Corbin's second record? I have no idea. I think it was just like Twitter message. I think he just sent me a Twitter message, and and that was it. He just asked me for my email, and we talked a little bit. Um, yeah. Maybe he knew me. I think he had heard me on a Bones song. Oh yeah, okay. and, and might have known me through right. Tiger's I've heard shot. you on a. I've, that's actually one of the songs that ended up on a mix of really? mine was the one that you did with Bones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. That's like the equivalent of Title Fight taking Tiger's Shot until it was right. Bones asking me, you know, and Spooky Black asking me to do a song. But I think he heard me on that and just sent me a message on Twitter and and had you heard of him at that? point? I had heard yeah. of him and I was. I was shocked, and and I had no idea that he even knew about you know anyone, right? Because some, I thought he was just a viral dude. I thought he was a very good viral right. artist. I thought I thought it was amazing, right? But I was afraid that it would get passed over really quick. I, I, uh, as do I. You know, the funny thing is, like, yeah, of course, that video the, the went hugely viral, and mm-hmm. he's wearing the do rag in it, and so it became like this kind of like, oh wow, look at this silly looking kid has such a beautiful voice. But when I actually downloaded the tape, I went, holy fuck! If I had never seen his picture, like, I would think that uh, like this is so legit. Yeah. You know? And actually, exactly. that second record, the one that you're on, became one of my most played tapes of that year. Like, I love that record. Yeah. There's this song, um, "I'll Take the Blame," so you don't have to, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. I've listen to like i think it's like number two on my itunes or something like um yeah so it's almost like this crazy blessing and curse of that viral video going so ham because like he had to you know change his name and everything. yeah and i think he handled it well right he I, did. I really do tastefully yeah 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 so uh, he hit me up for that he sent me three beats and yeah. i picked one and i just recorded and that was it and he used it i couldn't believe it did you get a lot of response from that yeah i yeah. do yeah yeah have you had media outlets hitting you up for like interviews or anything no why not i don't know i have no idea do you have a manager no no yeah i don't i didn't think so because like you've just been texting back and forth with me and (laughs) there's no like hit my manager up yeah um no uh, do you want any press to hit hit you up or do you want to like remain kind of mysterious Mm. or do you care i do care Mm -hmm. uh here's the thing i mean it can go either way i like as a, as a, my personality, you know, in and outside of music is that I, 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 I'm talkative and, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll talk to anyone really. And I would, obviously I would like if more press hit me up only because more people would hear my music and, right. and I think it's good. So I, I would want other people to hear it. You right. know, I'm not embarrassed about it. Right. At the same time, um, it's fine that they don't because, uh, I don't know. It gives me more time to grow. You know, I know every album, I think every album is better than the next. And, totally. You know, it, if they started picking me up now, 
before my next album comes out? What if my next album's like a million times better? You know, I'd right. want them to cover that. Right, right. I don't know. No, yeah, it is. It's like this good blessing in disguise because you are getting to like kind of shed on mm-hmm. your own right now and really, really find your voice. Mm-hmm. Probably, exactly. probably for your second time because I'm sure you felt like with Tiger Jaw you got really comfortable in in the, in yeah. that and found your voice and now you're pivoting and refining it. Yeah. But yeah, I have found that interesting that I don't see a lot of coverage for Goth Boy Click where I like I, I saw like Fader did this big thing on Dark World recently and th- mm-hmm. they seem cool, but like it's to me what you guys are doing, not to compare art forms or it's not a competition, but what you guys are doing is at least as valuable and marketable as what they're doing. And I'm just surprised that it's not like hitting the major the major media yet. But I think it's going to be very soon where there's going to be a lot of people knocking on you guys' door. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, so what else do you want to talk about? Because we're about to get out of here. I don't know. Anything? Did we cover it all? I think we, we came pretty close. We, we scratched the surface <laughs> at least. Yeah, I think we dug it in a little bit deeper than the surface. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I had a good time with this, and I like your music, and I'm looking forward to more of it, and Thank I'm you. glad that, like, it seems like we're one of your first interviews, which is really fucking cool, mm-hmm. um, or at least as Wicca Phase. I'm sure you've done a ton for as Tiger's Draw. Um, where can the people find you online? Uh, Twitter, at Wicca Phase. SoundCloud, Wicca Phase, Springs Eternal. Actually, SoundCloud, I think it's Wicca Phase GBC Eternal, because mm. there's a character limit. But the mm. URL is Wicca Phase Springs Eternal. And Wicca Phase is W-I-C-C-A-P-H-A-S-E. Yeah. Wicca Phase. Wicca Phase. And... Yeah, I mean, for you guys that are still listening, I think that if you grew up like I grew up, where you listen to multiple genres of music, this is a pretty fucking solid bastardization of a lot of the things you probably listen to, and it sounds... It probably sounds like really weird to say, yeah, it's like trap music mixed with Blink-182 or trap music mixed with Green Day or whatever, but like, it sounds great. I really like it, and I think you guys will like it too if you give it a shot. Um, That being said... If you were to give somebody a starting point, where would you tell them to start? Secret Boy. Secret Boy is my last album. Yeah. Um, and, and that seems to be the one that uh, even people who who really hated Wikifaze on principle because I left Tiger's Jaw and, mm-hmm. and started doing this, um, even they like it. You mm-hmm. know, so that I it has to be because that's what I hear from people. So I guess go there. So check out Wikifaze Secret Boy and that will be your entry point. And with that being said, man, thank you for coming in. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is the part where I start rattling off a bunch of my social media stuff, and you can feel free to take your headphones off. Uh, (laughs) But my name is Lee. You guys can, or you guys might know me as Intuition. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can find my man Ben Shin behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery. At I am database base with two S's. Follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat and YouTube.com/slash Kinda Neat, where you're going to see my man. Wicca Phase perform. What's the song called that you're performing? Uh, oh, it's called I Reach Out to You in Song. I Reach Out to You in Song on YouTube.com slash Kinda Neat. And remember, if you are a weekly listener and you hear me talk about dad issues every motherfucking week because I'm obsessed, uh, if you are that person and you have not gone to our Patreon.com slash Kinda Neat pledge, um, do it this week. Just Pitching a dollar. Buy me a latte every month. It's $4 a month if you pledge $1 per episode because we put out four episodes per month. Um, that's not a lot of money. All that is is like buying me a coffee every month. And like last night I saw, I ran into somebody who was like, yo, man, I listen to your podcast. Let me get your number. I want to take you out to lunch. And I wanted to be like, just go to Patreon, bro. We don't got to hang out. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Shout out. I know, I know you're listening. Uh, anyway. 
Yeah, go to patreon.com slash Kennedy. Leave me a dollar. And with that being said, I think we've covered everything. If you're listening online, you're doing it the wrong way. Download that podcast app and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Yeah, that was Wicca Phase. I'm Lee, and this was kind of neat. Mm-hmm.